You're listening to What the H, a fantasy hockey podcast. And we are back with another episode of your favorite fantasy hockey podcast, What the H. He's Eric, and I'm Corey, and we are your hosts. So Eric, tell us, what's our game plan for this episode? Well, we got a good one for you guys today. First off, a round two update. Lots of goals, lots of saves, but our things going as expected. In our five-minute major segment, we talk first-round bouncers and next year's hopefuls. Should they hold up? or blow up. Then for our power play topic, we take on one of these teams and dive just a little bit deeper. And finally, I have a doozy for you, Corey. I hope you're ready. Oh man, I can't wait. Well, that's the lineup for this episode. We hope you all enjoy it. So let's drop the gloves and get this show started. Round two has been uh, just as exciting as round one, I think, so far. Some surprises, but uh, overall, some great hockey. Yeah, it's been uh, very entertaining and very lopsided in some cases. Yeah, like a 6-9 like uh, game there, eh, Eric? I bet you love that one. I loved even more staying up until two for the next game. <laughs> the next Whoa. game, yeah. Why? Why are these games so late? Although tonight, being a Sunday and a long weekend, the game's at 8 o'clock tonight. So yeah. there you go. I, I might be sticking around and staying up to watch uh, the Oilers and Flames game tonight myself. Yeah, I love that. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, just a little uh, disclaimer here. This is a Sunday afternoon on the 22nd. And so one of three games has just completed itself. Uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning take a 3-0 series lead with a 3-1 win over the Florida Panthers today. Um, we'll get more to that series, uh, but I think the biggest thing coming out of that is Florida has finally snapped, I think it's 0-for-27 power play slump. They finally capitalized, and if they ever hope to at least win a game in this series, they, they better hope that, that streak continues. But let's start off in the Western Conference. So Colorado and uh, St. Louis. Uh, what are your thoughts at this, this one so far, Eric? So I watched the game the other night. I think it was game one. Colorado looked so, so dominant. They were just holding on to the pucks. Like, they were coming in waves. Like, you know, coaches talk about that. You know, every line is just, you know, coming on the ice and just continuing that momentum. And so I was a little bit surprised that, you know, the blues had such a comeback in game two, they played well, they played hard. And so it shows a lot of character. I think um, their coach made some adjustments, kind of jumbled up the lines a little bit and they had, you know, really solid contributions from, from their whole lineup. Um, but yeah, it's been been very entertaining. But after that first game, I was like, nobody stopped at Colorado. Like these guys, another level but it showed you know they showed in game two that you know they do have some weaknesses that that other teams can try to exploit and you know if they can continue to get contributions it could be a longer series than i initially thought it would be yeah i was watching the game too and bennington man was standing on his head to do everything he could to keep the blues in that series in that game and uh, just yeah like you said the firepower just overall uh took him out. And on that topic of the topic of that series, there's two major injuries coming out of, I guess, game two, because game three just uh, happened earlier today. Uh, Huso is in that there for, for uh, Bennington, who is out for the rest of round two. So if this game, if this series does go the distance, it'll be Huso and net for the blues going from here on out. Um, that could be a game changer. If the blues had a chance of, of toppling the uh, the Giants in the West, that really hinders uh, their chances. No offense to Huso, he had a great season. We know at one point he, he he had taken over the starting position, but since the start of the playoffs, Bennington has just been fabulous, and so that's going to be quite the hit going down the stretch. Then, then in Colorado, we have Samuel Girard, who's out for the rest of this rest of the playoffs 
but the broken sternum like that's gotta hurt i would imagine being your main chest bone like so much stress and movement kind of like when you pull your back right like you underestimate how much you use your back until it hurts i think that must be the same with with the sternum in your chest like like the sternum like do you know how he got it was it did he hit like was it a hit what did he go into the boards like i think it was a collision if i remember correctly and but even still it must have just been how he fell you expect broken ribs even dislocated ribs but a broken sternum is is a hard hit dead on and so we hope he recovers never want to see a, a player for any team um you never want to see him go down uh permanently and so out for the rest of the playoffs um and we'll see if i mean i don't, I don't imagine that that injury would require surgery i think you know it's kind of one of those things you just have to wait for it to heal it's not like you can bandage it up like you do a, like an arm or a leg but uh definitely going to take some recuperation time on that one and we'll see how his offseason goes and if he's able to start next season on time but I think the biggest question with that injury is that Samuel Gerard is the line, main line mate of Cal McCarr. Now, we all know how fabulous Cal McCarr is. We've talked a lot about him on this podcast, but uh, it's always a little bit nerve wracking when your chemistry, you're, the guy you're, you have you know, the most chemistry with, when he's out, to see how it affects Cal McCarr's game um, going forward. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I think um, Colorado overall has, I would say, the top defense uh, in the playoffs. With him, it's going to be a pretty big hole because I know he's, you know, a top four defenseman. So how do you replace the top four guy? They need other guys to step up. They have a young Bowen Byram. I think he's on the third pairing. He, you know, can play a pretty electric game. And so I think they'll probably look for him to take on a little bit more responsibility, a bigger role. Um, but they have Devon Taze, Josh Manson the other night had a goal and two assists. I believe this is a guy that they got from Anaheim another, you know, I think we've talked, he's a Saskatchewan boy and, <laughs> you know, he plays a tough game, but he's also finding a way to contribute defensively and offensively. It definitely looks like uh, Colorado's not uh, backing down. Let that come up. Oh, poor Dakota. She misses misses you there, Eric. That's too bad. (laughs) She wants part of the podcast. That's all right. That's all right. We are dog friendly on this podcast. So So Calgary Edmonton, um, quite the start, but then again, quite the rebound. Like it's been extremely high scoring obviously uh nine six five three um but what an answer uh by the captain of the edmonton oilers and you know time and time again you see articles coming out and snippets of teammates mike smith talked about him again uh just the the difference in playing level and a compete level that mcdavid is showing in these playoffs versus past years and just his sheer will to win. And you saw in game two, him really take over, um, take over the game and uh, driving to the net, driving it hard. Crazy that there were two um, reverse calls on goals, right? Two non-goals that, I mean, that rarely happens in a game where you get two. Um, but that didn't really slow Edmonton down. Usually when, it, when, you, when you get a goal that's pulled back, um, it can kind of mess with your with your um, drive with uh, who has the momentum in the in the game, but Edmonton didn't let it phase them, and I think that was solely because of Connor McDavid on that one. Yeah, hundred percent. Like that could really take the wind out of the team's sails, but they didn't let it happen. Like their one disallowed goal, they came back, and I think that next shift they they got another one. So that's what you want to see. You know, you're not always going to have the bounces, but, you know, good teams continue to push. They continue to find a way. And, you know, we've seen that, like, we've seen that with Calgary in game one. Like, Edmonton came back, tied the game up 6-6. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm going to throw a little shade, 
but the Maple Leafs could have been done. They could have been done, right? Yep. But but you know those solid teams, they're they're never out of it. They didn't let the momentum overwhelm them, but they got the next two goals and 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 won that you know crazy entertaining high scoring game one. But that's Edmonton kind of showed that in game two where they didn't let those goals kind of you know take away their their jump. They continued to push. Um, Calgary and and they came out with a, a pretty decisive victory for sure and you think of the goalies too and we talked a lot about them I think for for us when we we're doing our predictions in last in last episode it was it came down to the goaltenders I think for both of us and what a response you know you think okay Jacob Markstrom he he does get the win in game one but he still let in six goals like you can't do that and expect to win games on a regular basis but he had where whereas he had a a kind of a uh, quiet comeback Mike Smith in game two really you know from nine goals down to three uh, really stepped up and showed what he was capable of um, in game two the one thing though I would say for Edmonton to to close out Calgary in the remaining games however long it takes um, is they really going to work on their face-offs you look at especially game two they only won 33 percent of their face-offs like that's brutal um, especially when you're in the offensive zone where Edmonton obviously thrives and the defensive zone where Edmonton has always been, you know, that's been their big question mark, although they are better in defense this year than they have been in past years. If you're giving up uh, two of every three face-offs, you're only winning one every, every three face-offs. That's a brutal stat to be able to uh, have any sort of longevity in the playoffs. And so it seems like a very minor thing. I mean, they came came away with the win despite only winning 33%. Um, but that's just something that I, I feel like you really want to kind of balance out uh, if, if you can uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, the other stat, game one, Calgary had 48 shots on net to Edmonton's 28. The hits, I was pretty surprised. They were, they were pretty even in the hits. But... In game one, Calgary was really going after McDavid. They were laying the body on him. And Kane, you know, Kane got in the mix. He was he was kind of getting in there with Lucic, with Kachuk. Um, but I thought they could have did a little bit better job of either sticking up for each other or at least, you know, doing the same thing to Calgary, you know, matching their, their intensity, their physicality. Game two, I think they did improve. Um, when it came to shots, they were dead even. So both put 40 shots on net. So I think a, a big key for Edmonton is just getting more pucks to the net. Calgary was really good at that in round one against Dallas, just kind of shot everything that way. And that's what you need to do against a really solid goaltender like they were facing in Ottinger. And Markstrom is a, a top-tier goalie. So Edmonton, if they want to you know, push that envelope and, and get past Calgary. They got to get shots on net. They got to get bodies in front of the net and, you know, kind of get in his eyes and don't just let, you know, the puck, you know, he's good at his angles. He's clearly let in, you know, quite a few goals here too. So, so I think they're doing a pretty good job, but they got to get, get those shots up. Yeah. The playoffs aren't about the pretty goals. I mean, it's great when they happen. You see, you know, McData has nice, some nice dangles there in front of Markstrom, but at the end of the day, like you said, he's going to get the puck on the net because you never know when you have a bunch of bodies in front, the puck can get deflected. And even you're seeing that with Vasilevsky, especially not so much this series, and we'll get to it, but, you know, against the Maple Leafs, that happens so often with Vasilevsky, who's generally, if he sees the puck, he's going to stop it. Yeah. But you get bodies in front of him, you get deflections happening, and anything can happen. And like you said, yeah, game one, they are outshot horribly Edmonton. Uh, it was outshot by 20 shots. But then the hits were even. And you think, okay, if you're going to get outshot in a game, you better be laying on the body. Like, if you don't have the puck, then what are you doing? You should be getting physical. And mm-hmm. Edmonton wasn't doing that as much in game one. You kind of saw near the end maybe pick it up with the frustration, obviously, playing it up and then going back down two and then three goals. So the frustration came out. But in game two, uh, a little bit better of a response, especially when you saw – was it, I think it was game two where Lucic really stepped into McDavid. And mm-hmm. McDavid popped right back up and, like, grabbed hold of Lucic. And – 
Malucci's a big guy. There's not that many guys willing to do that. But it wasn't about the fear of who Lucic was. It was the emotion. To see that coming out of your captain, I think, is a big thing. I mean, I, essentially, the uh, Flames still outhit them 40 hits to 27. Um, but definitely that response is there. So it's not so much the numbers. It's just the response and the energy. And you saw in game two, yeah, Edmonton really came back and uh, really showed again what they're made of and that this is a different Edmonton team than we've seen in the past. Yeah, to your point, Connor McDavid was tied in game two for the highest hits on his team. Game one, he led the team. So we've talked about it. I can talk about it all day. He is driving his team, willing his team to get past this round, to get past Calgary. And the one thing, the last thing I'll say with Edmonton, they absolutely need to start on time. I think there's a lot of talk in the playoffs. These playoff games never start on time, but Edmonton is right there. You know, they let two goals in again within the first 10 minutes of the first period, and they were down two nothing. Game three, they were down, you know, again, a few goals before they, they started putting anything on the board. So if they could either go into the second, because they, you know, are pretty dominant in the second period, if they can go into the second tide, I think that's going to really bode well for their chances. But if they continue to let Calgary control play from the beginning, it's just against a goal like Markstrom, you can't always count on, you know, putting five past them late in the game. You can't play catch up. No, you can't do that. But uh, yeah, I agree. If they go into at least tied in the second, in the second period, uh, you know, that's way better than being down two goals. Um, That's, that's for sure. All right, time for our five-minute major round of uh, this episode, episode four. Uh, This week's uh, topic for our five-minute major is going to be first-round bouncers, next-year hopefuls. Do they hold up or do they blow up? All right, so we're just doing some rapid fire, starting with the first-round bouncers. Eric, your thoughts on Nashville? Hold up or blow up? I think they got to hold up. We'll see what happens with Philip Forsberg. If he comes back, then they can have a, you know, kind of, kind of repeat some success. But um, if he's, if he leaves, then I don't like the chances. Yeah. If Forsberg leaves, then I think uh, you had to blow up for now. I would say hold up. Um, it looks like the organization agrees. Uh, they just re-signed John Haynes to a two-year extension, their head coach. So it looks like the organization agrees, but uh, I think there are definitely some, still some X factors there. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, you'll see the exact same team on the ice, but in general, uh, hold up there. Minnesota Wild, hold up or blow up? Hold up. They have a great team. They are going to have some difficulties because uh, Parise and Sutter um, or Suter uh, have buyouts that are going to be taking up a large portion of their salary cap. We'll see if they can get, you know, um, Kevin Fiala signed. We'll see how they, they manage the cap situation, but they had a great team. I think you got to hold up. Yeah, I agree. Hold up. Um, try to move a few pieces, try to bring in some lighter acquisitions that are kind of good for your depth, but uh, they had a great season this year, uh, led by Krill the Thrill. And uh, yeah, hold up. I agree. Dallas Stars, hold up or blow up? I think it's time to blow up. I don't think Ben and Sagan are getting the job done. I think you should try to trade Klingberg or, or try to get one of those guys traded, um, get younger. They've done a pretty good job of drafting. I'm seeing the young talents. So I think it's time to blow up. Uh, I agree with that one too. Blow up. Let's get, uh, let's get moving on here. Veterans have done a great job, but time to blow up. Uh, Los Angeles Kings hold up or blow up. I think they got to hold up. They got some young guys coming. Apparently they have one of the deepest prospect pools in the NHL. I think uh, they have the veteran leaders, Dowdy, Kopitar, still going, Deneau. Um, They got to add some some bigger talent. Maybe they can get a Forsberg. And uh, I think they'll be doing pretty good next year. Oh, I got to disagree with you on that one. I think going to blow up. I think, like you said, the prospect pool is there. Uh, I think you need to change up your leadership. I think just get a little bit, uh, slightly younger. At this point, Dowdy and uh, Kopitar would definitely bring in a pretty penny in a trade. And I think yeah. if you get, you know, five or six years younger, um, I think that would go a long way. They had really no business being in the playoffs this year. 
but uh, we'll see what happens next year if they let some of these prospects hit the ice. Wow, Trey Doughty or Kopitar, that is a ringer. Why not? Just, you know, how long has it been since you won the cup? (laughs) (laughs) Now you're throwing the shade. But even the the year they won the cup, they came in at eighth place and they had a Cinderella one. And so, you know what? You know, offense to uh, Kopitar and Doughty, two fantastic players I'd love to have on my team. And I think other general managers would think the same thing. I would love to have those guys playing for me. Uh, all right that's that's all right that's what we're all about man we're all about we have to get everything uh washington capitals hold up or blow up i gotta say hold up you, you, what you're not going to trade ovechkin just try to add some some other pieces to the bottom of your lineup and and see where next year goes yeah i say hold up there too um not that holding up is gonna bring about a better outcome but yeah what are you gonna do trade your franchise player i don't think so no, Toronto Maple Leafs hold up or blow up. I think they got to hold up. They have a great team. Continue to, yeah, they got to continue to add to the bottom of their lineup. You got to get guys like Corey Perry who are just gonna just will the team to victory. I think they could use some uh, leadership on the top end um, and on the bottom end. They've added some some bottom end guys to to offer leadership to the group. But I think if they they got, uh, I don't know if they'll get a guy like Forsberg, but a guy at the top of the lineup that is going to drag the team into the fight. A guy like Evander Kane, I don't, I don't yeah. see that happening. But um, I really like what Kane's done for Edmonton in that sense. So they need a guy like that that's going to contribute, be with the big guns up top, but also, you know, when when the games are gritty, you know, he can be like, give that extra gear to his team that talk on the bench and, and, you know, get his guys going. Yeah. I'm going to say, hold up. That being said, uh, there are some changes I would recommend, but um, you know what? We don't have time for that. <laughs> I would uh, go too long on that one, but I was like, I would say for now, hold up. We see that just today, or just actually before we start uh, recording Giordano to your extension, 1.6 million. So 800,000 a year. So I think uh, the Leafs are backing up their press conference with uh, holding up, staying the course, making uh, a few changes here and there. Boston Bruins, hold up or blow up? I think it's time to blow up. Who knows what Bergeron's going to do? Let's let's go with that one. I totally agree. Blow up. Pittsburgh Penguins, they just signed Rust in extension, six-year, $30.75 million across the six years. I think it's clear what they're thinking, but what do you think? Hold up or blow up? I think they're going to be forced to blow up in some sense. How do you get Latang and Nelson signed? Those are pretty core pieces. So I'm interested to see how they're going to fill in those massive holes in their leadership and lineup. Yeah, I think that's a big price point for Rust. No disrespect, no shade being thrown at Rust. But like you said, you have Latang, you have Malcolm. Does this leave room for them? I'm not sure. I haven't studied their cap space well enough. Uh, I think it's going to be a bit of both, honestly, uh, for Pittsburgh. I would say blow up. But we'll never know Well, uh, until uh, next year starts. Okay, run a little overtime in this segment, but we'll just keep on going. Uh, next year, hopefuls, we'll start with the East, hold up and blow up. New York Islanders finished with 80, 84 points. There are 16 points out of a playoff spot. Hold up or blow up? I can't see how they're going to massively improve the roster. I think they got to hold up. They had a pretty, pretty tough uh, start to the year, I would say, for them just kind of repeat. And I think they should be doing okay next year. Yeah. I say, hold up. Like you said, who are you going to trade to actually shuffle things up? I don't really see anyone, lots of great players, but none of those big staple names on the team that teams will line up to, to trade for. And so hold up for now and see what opportunities come down the road. Exactly. Columbus blue jackets uh, finished 81 points, 19 points out of the playoffs in the, in, in the East. Just signed Corpusella to a one-year, $1.3 million contract extension. Hold up or blow up? Same thing. I think we got to hold up. You know, I don't know how much they attract in that market in terms of big-time free agents, but they got to continue to try to draft well and just kind of continue the process. Yeah, a little bit of a, a lost path, I think, the Columbus Blue Jackets. You have a great um, a netminder duo. Um although they didn't have a great year this past year. Um, but yeah, for now on, hold up again, see what opportunities come down the road. But I think with the Columbus Blue Jackets and New York Islanders, you need to pick a direction. 
just pick a way to go and dedicate yourself to that and, and go for it either way. Buffalo Sabres, hold up or blow up. 74, 75 points out uh, in the regular season, rather, 25 points out of the playoffs. What do you say? I think they started developing an identity. Um, I Obviously, that Jack Eichel situation was bad. They got him out of that, or they got him out of there, but they brought in some pretty good pieces um, for him. Obviously, not to his star caliber, but I think that trade improved their overall team identity. So I would hold up and I think in a year or two, they're going to be a pretty good team. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially with other teams in, in their division, the Detroit, Montreal, Ottawa, they're all kind of just doing the same thing. And I think Buffalo, if they want to compete in the next, you know, like you said, two to five years, uh, you know, use the pieces that you have and, and keep building from there. So I'd say hold up as well. Okay, the West, uh, Golden Knights, 94 points, just a measly three points out of the playoffs. Hold up or blow up? This is a tough one. I think they got to hold up. How do you get a superstar in Jack Eichel and you blow up the team? They fired a coach again. I think they got to hold up. They're going to be just fine. They had a lot of injuries this year. Try to get healthy for next year. And, you know, I think they'll be rolling. I agree. I think hold up. Absolutely. They have to hold up. Um, They got Jack Eichel this year. They're only three points out. If, you know, two games had gone slightly differently, they would have been in the playoffs and once you're in the playoffs, you know, who knows what kind of damage you could do. Um, they've been a stellar team in the past. I think the injury bug really, really bit them hard this year. And so I would like to keep the same roster, get a, you know, a few more months of uh, games under their belt with chemistry and with working together, feel like a team. I think next year we see a very different Vegas golden Knights with the same pieces that they currently have. I yep. think we'll see an outcome. Winnipeg Jets, 89 points, eight points out of the playoffs. Hold up or blow up? I think it's time to blow up. They had a long period with that core. I don't know. There's there's rumors going around with Shifley, whether he wants to be there or not. I think he's a great player. I don't think he's a guy that that drives you to success. Um, so I think they got to change up their leadership, their core. Um, time to blow that up. I agree. Uh, if they made the playoffs and even had a stellar first round performance like the Leafs had, I think we'd be maybe, maybe thinking something different. But uh, yeah, time to blow up. Continue on. You already shipped out uh, Patrick Laine. Uh, let's see what you can get for for um, those other guys, Shifley and some of those other guys uh, on their team that other teams would love to have. Okay, this one was an interesting one. Chicago Blackhawks, 68 points, 29 points out. Hold up or blow up? This is a, a tough one. I would say they're two to three years late on blowing it up. They could have really got some, some key pieces in either a Taze trade or especially a, a Patrick Kane trade. Oh. Um, I think they could still get quite a few pieces for Kane. I think that's the rumor is he, he might be the, the one to you know, get them what they need to be better in the future. But for them, I think it's time to blow it up. Yeah, I think you look at teams that are kind of just on the brink. You think of maybe a team like the Ottawa Senators who have a lot of young pieces or even the Detroit Red Wings, a lot of young caliber players. If you brought in a guy like Patrick Kane, who would look at his stats, he hasn't really gotten that much worse, but the team around him has just really digressed. And sort of say, but even, even Taves too, you know, really did not play to where he was going to play this year. When you're looking at his uh, his stats, uh, blow up. I do agree. You're a little bit late, but you still have some solid depth pieces that uh, you know with just a slightly different leadership core, a slightly different super superstar core. Um, you know, could definitely you know at least maybe 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 get you into the playoffs next year. Um, you're not that far away, but perhaps maybe miss the boat a little bit there. Okay, so the Eastern Conference, um, a little bit of a different look to these two series. Um, Battle of Florida, uh, and as we mentioned, uh, we don't have the stats recorded yet. I mean, you can find them at NHL box scores. We personally don't have the stats up on our on our stat sheet here, but for Game Three, but we do know the score: three one. What's put puts uh, Tampa Bay up three nothing in the series. I was thinking, you know, when we did the preview for round two here in our last episode, we didn't really talk sweeps. 
And I kind of feel like if we saw one coming, we probably would have mentioned it. One of us would have, but I kind of feel the reason it wasn't mentioned at all is because neither of us thought that in round two, when you look at these caliber of teams uh, and, and particularly the matchup, the only sweep would have been Colorado over St. Louis. And that clearly isn't going to happen, whether Colorado wins four, one or not, they've already lost one game. But now you look at this series and then uh, later on right now is the Carolina Rangers game. I don't know. How, I don't have the update for that right now, but two series that could become could turn into sweeps. And to think the Florida Panthers could be swept out in the second round is kind of. You know, that's. What do you do with that? Right. Like I, I'm lost for words that the fact that this series has gone three games and it's three Oh for the lightning, no disrespect to the lightning, but Panthers, where are you? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Where, where are their stars? Like you have Drew, you have Barkov, you have Huberto, you have these high end players. And I think it's for Hagee. Like, like we talked about, you called it at the beginning, you know, he's leading the way for the team. Like he's a great player, but where are these guys? Like, they're, they're down three, nothing. I really don't think they have that drive. Like, how are you going to beat Florida now or the lightning four times in a like, row in a row? Like I Vasilevsky does not lose two games in a row. So how, like, I just can't see it. They, uh, I was big on them at the beginning. I thought they had a, a, an incredible team, but you know, they just haven't showed up. Yeah, uh, and I think that's – you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Where are your superstars? Where is Barkov? Um, where is Huberdo? You can't count on your secondary scoring, Verhege and uh, these other guys to to lead the way. You can't you can't do that, especially against Tampa Bay Lightning, who, remember, is down Braden Point. So you're only relying on Stamkos and Kutrov, and you're really seeing for the Lightning, you're seeing the veterans, the superstars take the lead with – the secondary scoring of your Nick Paul, your Ross Colton. Now that being said, game two, I do feel like Tampa kind of got away with one in game two. Cause you watch that game, you watch the third period, the Florida was all over Tampa. They could barely get it out of their end in third, in the third period. But that's the problem. When you face a team like Tampa, they made one little mistake. The puck goes down and who scores, but Ross Colton essentially a guy who's not known for his scoring ability. who's not who the lightning are relying on. And he scores not with, you know, one minute, two minutes, three minutes. He scores with four seconds left. Like talk about a motivation killer. Third period, four seconds left. You get scored on. That's the game winning goal. And it's over moving back. Now you're heading into Tampa. You're not heading home. You know, you're heading on the way team. And so a 3-1 loss today doesn't really surprise me with how Florida's been playing. They haven't managed to score more than a goal a game. And against a team like Tampa, like, well, have fun. I hope you enjoyed your ride, but we'll see you next year. Like, that's kind of how I'm seeing the rest of the series go. Yeah, and like you said, I think that game two, um, the coach was saying it wasn't necessarily on the defense fault. Their whole structure was off. Maybe the forward could have been playing lower to cover that guy. But I think maybe they thought, oh, there's less than, you know, there's 20 seconds left. We're going into overtime. Who needs to cover the front of the net? (laughs) But of course, Kucherov, he's a perfect pass. And like you said, Ross Colton, like a perfect shot. It was just, it was just the events fell into place, but Tampa's the team that takes advantage of those opportunities. Yeah. We saw in the Toronto series those last last few minutes, the last minute or two, where everyone in the arena, all the fans watching, everyone's thinking, especially like like you said, that game game two, everyone's thinking overtime, overtime, overtime. Even prior to the coaching staff is like, okay, let's plan out for overtime. Let's start watching some of the video from the from the uh, first three periods. And while everyone's thinking overtime, Tampa's like, no, 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 we're gonna finish this now. Yeah, Kucherov takes T on his back. Brilliant pass to Colden, and it's just like, and that's the game. And you know, there you hear all the time. You have to play a full sixty minutes. We already talked about starting the game on time. You need to play a full sixty minutes. Well, the Florida Panthers played a great fifty-nine minutes and fifty-six seconds. Yeah, 
of a game. And then and all of a sudden they lost it. And so, yeah, a loss today, 3-1 today. Not surprised. Yeah. Not surprised. And well, who they- got the first goal? Corey Perry, another guy that just contributes. Like every the last, you know, it's just crazy how how this guy just continues. Today. And he scored yeah. today. Yeah. So playoff Perry, like you can't discount these guys. I, the more they play, and you think Florida was like everyone was like Florida, 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 Panthers, the the cup favorites, and you know all that's fantastic. As I've said before. You know, I'll even say what about the Leafs. I don't believe it until I see it. And Tampa Bay, defending Stanley Cup champions, back-to-back, the more confidence they're getting beating Florida, again, without their third of their top three in Braden Point, the three-peat is kind of becoming very real. I don't know how you feel, but, like, at least coming out of the East, I, like, if they take up Florida, you think Carolina or New York can stop the Lightning in a game seven no. series? I don't think so. So I think three Pete is kind of it's a legitimate shot at this point. Tampa Another, Bay finds a way. They're <laughs> gonna be uh the saying or podcast till the end of the end of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Tampa Bay finds a way. They should they should uh coin that i think that's good hopefully they they, play, they pay us a percentage for that for that <laughs> yeah it'd be fantastic oh man all right uh carolina new york um you know with the rain the way the rangers handed handled pittsburgh i'm surprised they're down to nothing in the series again i don't know what the score is currently um they're probably halfway through game three um but you know, one goal in two games, that's not a good sign. You know, and then you can't, when you're winning games 2-1, or sorry, when you're losing games 2-1 and 2-0, it's not Shesterkin. You're not getting blown out, right? He's not letting in, you know, three goals on 10 shots. That's not happening. He's playing a stellar game. And so you look at your the stats and you're going, what, what's going on here, Rangers? Like, are you just simply outmatched? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think um, Ranta is playing really well. Um, you kept talking about Anderson, but you got to give it to, to Ranta. He, he's played, played great. Um, the games have been pretty close. So last game they had an empty netter. It was a one nothing game. Yeah. Uh, the first game, Carolina won in OT. So... I just checked as of right now, the Rangers are ahead two to one. Um, so we'll see if they can close out game three, but they got two. So if you can get two, you need to play a defense game. And, you know, Shesterkin, again, he has to lead the way for them. He's, he's their rock. If he plays well, if he can kind of leave it, you know, to one goal, just the one goal that he lets in, um, you know, I think they could win game three and then, then it becomes a series. If they find a way to lose this game, then, I mean, Carolina, we've talked about their depth. They have a, a goalie that's playing great. I don't think Florida's going to come down 3 nothing. So we'll see how, how it ends up. Um, yeah, Carolina and Ranta. Like, I've always been a big Ranta fan. I always thought he was fantastic as long as he stays healthy. And... Like you said, if if you have a healthy Anderson and healthy Ranta, that is one crazy one-two punch in that. Granted, Anderson's out, but Ranta is very much a capable starting goalie in the NHL as long as he is healthy. And, and he's healthy so far, and he's really uh, outdoing Shesterkin. Not that Shesterkin's doing a bad job. It's just it's the way it's going. They've been close games. Um, do you know who scored today for Rangers? Because that would be something – Kind of like Florida, like where are your superstars? I believe Chris Kreider got a goal. So Chris okay. Kreider and Mika Zibanejad. Okay, there you go. So get those guys going. Get their legs going. Panarin, get on the board. I mean, he might. I mean, he might have an assist in there, but um, that's what you need to see. And when you're down to nothing in a series, your hope in your first line is just going to take over. Otherwise, who's going to do it? Your goalie can only 
stop. Shesterkin can be as great as he wants to be, but he's not scoring the goals. Yep. He's doing his job. The he's stars job. have to do theirs. Exactly. And in that, you know, these teams that are ahead in the, in these series that their stars are producing, like you, you talked about Stan Coast, right? Points not there, but Stan Coast, you know, he's stepping up and, you know, with Florida, it's like, like we said, their stars are nowhere to be seen. To your comment of uh, Ranta, I mean, we don't want injuries, but if he was to be injured, I know they have David Ayers uh, that they could oh. also lean on. <laughs> the shade oh, is a, I, a I'm shot. sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh. Well, that is true. That is true, I will admit. The bane of existence of all Leafs fans everywhere. Oh, man. Talk, talk about a claim to fame, though. Like, Zamboni <laughs> yeah, driver to NHL goalie. Yeah, and not, you know, you didn't beat the Phoenix Coyotes, fanta- or Arizona Coyotes. Like, great job. You beat the one of the worst teams in the league. No, no, no. You, you beat one of the highest scoring teams for the past few years, even though that was a couple years ago. That's just, just, yeah. Bad. I, I'm sorry, buddy. I just had to throw like, that in there. I don't think you are sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's all smiling games for Edmonton and other fans right now while they're in the playoffs. So what can I say? That uh, That's fair. That's fair. All right. So that wraps up the uh, update so far on round two. Okay. That means we are at our power play topic for this week. This week for the next two minutes, we're going to do a little bit of a deep dive on the Dallas Stars. We both agree changes are coming. They need to happen. And it appears the changes perhaps have already started. Uh, we're going to quickly just go over some of the timeline over the past couple of years with the Dallas Stars. We really see an up and down roller coaster here. December 2019, Jim Montgomery, after a little bit of a unprofessional conduct, whatever you want to call it, he's let go. Rick Bowness hired as the interim head coach. So that year, the 2019-2020 year, is the year the, the Stars went all the way to the Cup Finals, lost to the Tampa Bay Lightning. The next year, uh, the, in the fall, around October, Rick Bowness is named officially the head coach of the Dallas Stars. While that year didn't go very well, 2020-2021 year, Stars failed to make the playoffs. Then in 2021-2022, in this year, they make the first round, but they are bounced in the first round. And then a weeks later barely weeks within a month uh rick bowness the head coach john stevens assistant coach Derek laxdell's assistant coach and todd nelson assistant coach all walk away from the organization what do those changes tell you eric when your coaching staff just simply walks away i think they've seen the writing on the wall they need to go a different direction they cannot come back with the same group and expect any success. They have some some pretty incredible players in Rupe Hintz, uh, Jason Robertson, Joe Pavelski. That's a guy a lot of teams would love to have on their team. And Joe Pavelski is a playoff-style player. You get him in the playoffs on, on a Colorado or a St. You know, Louis Blues, like he's going to do really well. He would be a good piece in Toronto if they could get him, but I think his cap cap hit might be too much. Um, but you look at the bottom end of their their lineup; it's a it looks like an AHL team. Like, who are these guys? <laughs> oh man, I I, I I I totally agree. When you have your coaching staff just walk away like that, um, is there a problem in the in the uh, locker room? Who knows? You have a great young core. You mentioned some of those players. So the next question is: and how far do you go with these changes? Who else leaves? I think Klingberg has got to go as much as I love him. I love to see him on leaves. I think he's a great player, but he has value. You got to get rid of him. Um, even Jamie Ben, you know what? He still can perform, but time for a changing of the guards. I think all your, your old core, Tyler Sagan and um, Radulov, like, you know, you say that name and you're like, who? But at one point was a fantastic player. Other teams want these guys. You have a great young core. I think it's time to, to move on. And when you do that, okay, so this is a fantasy hockey podcast. What fantasy impacts do you predict going into next year when you're trying to plan out your team, keep your league, maybe you have Rupe Hints, you have Mir Hiskinen, 
you have uh, some of these other guys. What do you do? Do you keep them? Do you trade them? Drop them? What do you expect? Get rid of them. No, those guys, Robertson and Hintz, I think if it's a fresh draft, I would not draft those guys in the first eight rounds. Um, I think they'll still produce points. They are start bears, but the goalies, the defense, like they're just not an attractive team. I, I don't really want a part of the Dallas Stars for the next couple seasons. I agree. I think every year, and obviously as we get closer to the draft for next year, we'll talk more about it. Uh, about our personal strategies and styles for myself. I always pick every year a couple teams that I just avoid like the plague. And yeah. Dallas to me is one of those teams as great as Ottinger is as great as Rupa Hintz uh, and all these, all those other guys are just, you know, no, don't want to go there. Don't even entertain it. Um, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. Okay. That leaves us once again to my personal favorite portion of uh, our podcast. What the H Eric's thoughts. Here we go. Okay. So for today I have one hockey related one, one non hockey related. We'll continue with the hockey related theme and then we'll have that fun one at the end. So when it comes to hockey and the playoffs, in the salary cap era, fill your starting lineup. Guys that you want in the playoffs to win you the Stanley Cup. So any teams, but you need to pick a, a left wing, a right wing, a center, two defensemen, and a goalie. So uh, one forward line, one defensive line, and a starting goalie? Yep. Whoo! With their current contracts, not because of cap space, right? Like you said, yeah. cap. Yeah, contracts. Yeah, so contracts, like, aside, these are the guys that you want on your team for a game seven. Contracts aside. So not so if they put me over, because they're not looking at the whole team, you're just looking at one line? Yeah, one line. Contracts aside, who would I want? Um, I could start it off because I had some I had some thought on this earlier. And I would actually, can... I would actually like to like dive into that and you know come up with a team with a eighty five million or whatever it is cap hit. That would actually be really interesting. But go ahead. Yeah, we'll do that in another episode. Um, so for goalie, I have to get Vasilevsky, but a guy that I have always loved, and I hope we see him around more, is Roberto Luongo. Like he Whoa. was. <laughs> He was not a like he was not a superstar, but this is the type of guy you want on your team. I would not mind him as a backup to Vasilevsky, but he's just a guy that I would want. Uh, um, <laughs> he never got it done, but just Roberto Luongo, he's my guy in net. When it comes to defense, I've got to go vintage Drew Doughty. You can't go wrong with a guy like Char on your team, that grittiness in the playoffs. But ultimately, I think I would have uh, Victor Hedman and Shea Weber as my uh, you know, top pairing uh, defensive duo on that team. When it comes to left wing, I love JT Miller. I think he's got to get out of Vancouver. They are a disaster on wheels. And he's got to get to a team like he would be a great piece. Like I would do a Nylander for, for JT Miller trade yesterday. Like Toronto's got to get a guy like that. I really like his style of play or, I mean, Brad Marchand, he's another guy, that gritty playoff hockey style player. So I would go JT Miller there. Connor McDavid, obviously at center, you know, he's going to be, uh, you know, one of the greatest to ever play the game. And when it comes to right wing, I want a guy like Tom Wilson. I mean, obviously Kucherov is, is a, a beast, but I, I need some grit along with that team. So I want a Tom Wilson or a, a, a Sveshnikov in Carolina. I think uh, that would be a team that, you, you know, those playoff guys would come to perform. Man. Uh, okay. Okay. I see where you're coming from. I did not 
I didn't even think about players who retired in the cap era. So if you take, so you're taking Roberto Luongo, but you're taking like Florida Panthers, Roberto Luongo. Yeah. Right. Like his, like, exactly. They gotcha. 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 Okay. In that case, um, I'll start with in net. Uh, I think you have to go with arguably one of the greatest goalies of all time, Martin Brodeur. Um, I think, yeah, you have to go with, you have to go with him. Um, Holds records on almost every facet. Um, of course, you know, Patrick Waugh, but not you're talking cap era. He didn't yeah. play in the cap era. So I would go with Liberto Wongo in, in net. Um, I'll come back to the defense because that's that's a tough one. And I think your defense has to be shaped around who you have up front. Um, I think center, yeah. Um, Connor McDavid is an obvious, obvious pick for your center. That uh, Austin Matthews, eh? No, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. The 60 goal man, gotta love him. Um, but I think if you're talking one game, you have one shot, I would probably pick Connor McDavid uh, yeah. as that one guy. Especially the way he's playing this year, right? Especially he's playing this year. If you're talking a series, I'm not really sure because I think Austin Matthews has a bit more consistency to his game mm-hmm. and you kind of know what you're going to get out of him every game. But if you're talking one game, one shot, Connor McDavid has to be your guy up front. Um, I see what you're saying about JT Miller. I know there's a lot of love on JT Miller. I can't bring myself to share the love on JT Miller. <laughs> so many other people. I think he is kind of, if you could take Florida Panthers and wrap them up into a single player, it's JT Miller. There's all this promise. There's all this upside. He has great finesse he's great hands but i i just can't and i could never hop on the florida panthers band train like everyone else like so many other people and i feel the same way by jt miller i just i just can't so i'm sorry i'm gonna have to go a different direction we're talking cap era and along Connor mcdavid with his speed with his vision um i think on your left you'd have to put alex ovechkin simply because if he just sat in his office and just waited for the puck. You know, you already see that how much success that they had with Backstrom doing that. But instead of Backstrom, no, 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 let's put in Connor McDavid. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> have fun trying to defend those two. Yeah. Uh, so I, w- I would put to my left, I'd put uh, Alex Ovechkin. And for a little bit of grit on that line, on my right, and again, I haven't been able to think about this as, as much as you. So I'd have to go back in some some past years. But I think a guy that comes to my mind that plays on the right, that can give you that little bit of a grit in the cap era, I would have to go with Matthew Kachuk. I think you get that grit in there, but he's got some crazy good hands. Yeah. You see some phenomenal tips. And just getting under the skin of everyone else, I think uh, obviously is something you'd, you'd want to have. Um on your top line and man that would just be one killer top line that being said i think that would kind of change my defensive positions a little bit you know initially you think maybe cal mccarr even though he is so young in the cap era he's got so much promise yeah um, very much offensive upside so i would agree with victor hedman um i think he is definitely a unicorn in in the way of defensive play uh, playmakers and the way he plays defense in general. Um, I do think that Cal McCarr will eventually, you know, kind of match that unicorn style play, but let's, as uh, just a straight up defenseman, I would take Victor Hedman. He's got, he's got the knowledge. He's got the experience. Um, and then when you're talking, see for my pairing, then I definitely want not a high offensive team, defenseman i think someone who kind of shuts it down um would be someone i would probably lean more towards and if i were to think someone like that a few names come to mind especially i'm just kind of going over a list here uh just to kind of help me recall some names uh even Provorov from philly i think would be a great guy to pair along victor hedman um really because I know he plays for the Flyers and, you know, poo-poo the Flyers, and I would totally agree. We didn't even talk about them in the blow-up segment in the in the five-minute major. But, um, yeah, I think when de- defensively, 
I personally find him solid. I know he had a bad year. The entire team had a bad year. Your defensive, especially look at plus minus, is only going to be as good as the offensive. If you're constantly playing in your end, then yes, you're going to have a bad plus minus, right? But I think just strictly as a player, even Provorov is a really good defensive player that I like to watch. Um, Jared Spurgeon would be another guy um, that, again, really shuts it down on, on defense. Um, but you know what? I'm probably going to go – this is a tough one. As, as a defensive pair, I really like – and I was really sad to see him get hurt. Um, I really like Campus Lindholm. I think playing in Anaheim, he kind of – you know, who really pays attention to Anaheim Ducks? Uh, you know, no shade. Great players, Ryan Getzlav, you know, a legend, a Hall of Famer. Um, but I would like to see Hambus Lindholm play alongside Hedman. Mm-hmm. Um, Hedman doesn't make the defensive mistakes, although he is offensive-minded. And then Hampus Lindholm, you know, just focus on shutting down defensively. Mm-hmm. So that would be my team. So I would start net Martin, Marty Brodeur, Hedman, Lindholm on defense, and then up front, Kachuk, Connor McDavid, and Alex Ovechkin, I think uh, would have to be my my top line. We got to get a simulation. I mean, a little, do a simulation. Yeah. Your team versus my team. Some See way, somehow. So you can figure that out. But you know what? I think I think I think that would be one crazy good game if yeah. you know, those two teams lined up. If you could somehow carbon copy Connor McDavid. <laughs> And uh, and even then, you know what? If you want Connor, I would I would gladly take Austin as my center. Um, and I mean that's crazy because you think of you know Sid the Kid, one of the greatest one of the greatest players of all time. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know him as center, you can't go wrong there. Especially talking a one game winner take all. Yep. Crosby, you can't go wrong with that either. But that's an excellent question. I would like to actually sit down, do the math, yeah. look at all the contracts, and actually come up with a team. Uh, that would be actually an interesting exercise, but so maybe we'll we'll do that maybe in the off season when yeah. there's a little less hockey news and a little more fantasy, you know, what ifs. Yeah, I think that'd be a good episode down the line. Well, good lineups. I appreciate uh, getting so <laughs> so into that one. It was it was fun. Thanks, man. That was a good question. That was a good question. Okay, so the final question. Yesterday we had a hurricane in Toronto. It felt like <laughs> wind was blowing sideways. Trees were coming down. Would you rather be in a rainforest situation? So obviously rainforest raining a lot, windy old rainforest for survival. This is a survival question or a deserted island, a hot, sunny, deserted island. Is there nothing on the island? Is it just flat? No trees, no rocks? There, there, there's some, there's some uh, coconut trees. There's, there's some, you know, branches and stuff there's some there's some stuff there that you can make shelter out of and you know it's not uh it's not just a beach you got some some material there that you can either help you survive or possibly get off the island um that's tough because initially initially i'd want to say the island but given a little bit more thought the rainforest definitely has more food options and shelter options, but with rainforest comes far more predators. Yes. You're on a deserted island. I mean, as long as you stay out of the water, for the most part, you should be just fine. We have very one type of food in fish and coconuts. <laughs> um, so I'm just going to go to the environment I'd rather be in, and I'm going to go with the island. All yeah. right. Yeah, just because the rainy day every day would just be miserable. And neither are ideal. That's the point of these questions, obviously. Neither are ideal, but I would go with the island. And I just really learned to love fish a lot. (laughs) Girl them up all sorts of ways. Yeah. (laughs) How about you? I'd go rainforest. Like you said, I don't want to be eating fish and coconuts all day. I love coconuts. Don't love fish. I mean, you got everything you need in the rainforest. Like, the shelter is already half built. So, you know, you got, I mean, if you have to, there's probably tons of bugs you can eat to begin. And then you make some traps, you got all sorts of, you know, little mammals running around and you trap one of those guys, fry them up, 
you know, put them on a spit or uh, over a fire and, and enjoy. And you got your shelter there. The rain, the poisonous snakes and animals are obviously something you need, but you got to build everything off the ground, you know, build yourself a bed off the ground, maybe, you know, weave some, some leaves together to make a little hammock and, and you're all good. So I got to go rainforest. So I'll be uh, Tom Hanks and Castaway with my buddy Wilson and you can be <laughs> hey, There we go. Exactly. <laughs> One with the jungle. <laughs> Oh um, man, that's good. Although I gotta say, if you're in which which one would you say you'd probably be rescued from first? Probably the island. I think if you're in the middle of the Amazon rainforest, nobody's yeah. gonna find you in there, no. and <laughs> and you have no hope of trying to get your way out. All right, cool. Very fair. Very fair. Well, thanks for that. thanks for that uh, imaginative exploration. Yeah, <laughs> there we go. Thank you, sir. All right, and that wraps up this episode of What the H. We hope uh, you found it as entertaining as we did. Uh, and as we continue on with the games today, we can continue on with round two. Please stay tuned for a round two coverage. Next episode will probably come uh, after most of these series have wrapped up, if not all of them have wrapped up. And we'll be able to uh, talk projections for the conference finals. At uh, this point, I think we're both staying pat with our picks to see what happens. But either way, we know as hockey fans, you will very much enjoy the uh, rest of these series as we continue to see uh, who comes out on top. So that's it for us here at What the H. Enjoy the rest of the long weekend, everyone, and have uh, have a safe and, and pleasurable week ahead. Enjoy the rest of the second round, and thank you very much for listening us here at what the H. You're listening to What the H, a fantasy hockey podcast.